Welcome to Just Up the Trail. My name's Rob Jones. My guest today is Tom Axon, who has a YouTube channel called Off the Beaten Pot, where he's delivering in his mission to bring great food, to bring great food to the great outdoors. I first found Tom on YouTube a few years ago, and I've been following his adventures in cooking and camping ever since. So if you get onto YouTube, search up Off the Beaten Pot, there you'll find some of the videos with talking about today including his mega roast beef dinner on a transier stove and um, so yeah you can follow find tom on youtube at off the beaten pot and you can find him on instagram at off the beaten pot i'll leave links to that in the show notes i'm going to bed because i've got to get up really early to get the train that's going to take me to the trail and it's going to be so good to be getting out hiking again with the kids i really really can't wait it's been like the longest week ever at work like each day just felt like four it's all just sort of it's all just really really dragged and i'm just desperate 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 to get out hiking i'm just really really excited to find that rhythm and i'm just really really excited to be getting out on trail to feel well just to feel everything that comes with hiking so the bag on your back and a bit of hunger in your belly and the achy legs and the wind in your face, and looking at the weather forecast, the sunburn on the back of the neck. This could be one of the first hikes we've done where the weather's set fair all week. I even said to Hazel last night, do you know I might not pack a coat? But we're going to North Wales in June, so, well, we're going to North Wales in the last week in May, first week in June, so it would be a bit silly to not take a coat at all, I reckon. So enjoy today's episode. If you want to follow our adventures, of course, we're over on Instagram at Just Up The Trail. I'll be posting updates of our hike over there. So my conversation with Tom starts all the way back at how I first ran into him on YouTube about three or four years ago. I first connected with you through Trevor's video, Why Your Tent Died. It, well, it, it lived to fight again, but yeah, I know... I know the one you mean, yeah. But you actually saved me a lot of money because I was about two days away from buying an MSR tent, and then and I didn't in the end. I saved the money, so. Oh well, there you go. But to be fair, and as well, this is me being a noob at the time. Is really a, that tent performed so well for those winds? It was proper carnage up there, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, we. I look back and recorded sixty-eight mile an hours at one point and I've been in I've been a sailor most of my life so I've been in big winds and that was up there and and I got a bit angry I was t- I just got angry it was my first first day out in it I was like oh come on and it's like a two-season tent or whatever so it was I felt a bit rash getting a bit angry with that tent but I emailed them told them the conditions and they sent me new poles and then when I was testing the poles out I put it up in my garden I, I left it there for a little while and had a camp in my garden and then I watched from my window because the shadows of some bugs that had got in between the fly and the um, inner. And then I watched a bird just land on my tent and peck three holes in it to get the bugs. <laughs> so. so it was probably a few years ago that you came onto my radar. And yeah, I knew just one of the first people I thought, Tom could bring something cool to this little project I'm doing. Yeah, no, I so. felt really, um, really honoured that you considered me because i'm just little old tom who's we're all little old someone though aren't we yeah this this is true this is true yeah but but what i guess it's really nice to uh, to know that i resonate with someone enough that you thought you know what 
I'll reach out to them and see see what see what goes. So what, I think because like I think we kind of connected on like through YouTube or some or like probably the Facebook group was it the Great Outdoors TV Facebook group? Yeah, that's the one. And I've enjoyed a lot of your videos, especially like, I guess you're the first YouTuber I've seen who takes their kids out. Everyone else likes to pretend they're still twenty. Yeah, the life that Instagram tells you to live, and you're like, actually, I'm come along. No, no, no. And I, my, like, my big thing is that I chose to have the kids. So yeah. why should I go off and have adventures without them? You know, they're, they're part of it. So. No, I, I know what you mean. I can't wait because my kid is three. I'm looking forward to that day when he's setting up the tent and I've got the, the pot going and, and we're having a quality bloke time. And I genuinely, like, I'm not wishing his or my life away, but I just, I just, I'm, I'm not, I'm a bit impatient at times. And it's like, come on, mate, let's go wild camping. And he's just like, <laughs> like I just want to watch Mr. Tumble, dad. Yeah, um, yeah but Mr. Tumble is excellent. My life used to be fighting hurricane force winds at sea on old tall ships and talking about it. And now it's getting excited about the fact that Mr. Tumble has got a new series coming out because we have to watch the same crap over and over again. So I was looking over your Instagram in preparation for this and I came across a video you had made. It felt almost like a little love letter to Snowdonia. Oh, yeah. I really... I really enjoyed that, and it yeah, it felt like a little love letter. So was that somewhere you spent a lot of time when you were younger? That's the feeling the video gave. Well, okay, so that, that I'm really pleased you picked up on that on that video particularly. I guess that was the first holiday, really tr- true holiday, kinda that our family had, and we uh, we stayed in Ridthi, and. Uh, my family's connected there in as much as my my grandparents met just after the First World War. My grandma was a potholer and my granddad would, this is how the story goes, and my granddad was a climber. And they met when he was coming down and she was coming up. And <laughs> and they they started Oriad Mountaineering Club, which was the first mountaineering club to be set up post-World War that did trips around Derby and then they they spread to, to North Wales and they bought a clubhouse in in this village and, and we went there this time to scatter scatter my grandma's ashes we got permissions from um, the National Park to do so we mentioned the name and the, the guy in the office was like yeah <laughs> have have the permit which is rare and so we yeah so that that holiday was that but also my, when I first moved out of my my childhood home I didn't do the uni route and I just I remember I was working in fat face and I was a bit bored with my life and I on a whim for the first time ever bought a big issue and there was a, a, a an advert for the youth hostel association I thought blimey there's a way out of Leicester and so I just applied and ticked the box saying <laughs> I don't care where just far and they sent me to Clambeda and so I lived for nearly a year in Gwyneth and so went to Port Maddock, all these places that I felt I didn't realise I'd feel so attached to going back. And and then I took my camera and yeah, I made this video. And I don't know, when I was looking back through the footage, it, it was, I guess, as you put it, it was a bit of a love letter to Snowdonia. But I guess it was more a love letter to all the elements, to a love letter to my son and like, and the privilege I felt of taking him to Snowdonia and also seeing Snowdonia with 18-year-old Tom's eyes as well as two-year-old Tom's eyes. And And there's that connection, I suppose, that you're trying to bridge that connection between your grandparents and your son as well. Yeah, yeah, I think unconsciously at 
but yeah, uh, at first, but then obviously this is a big family gathering. So we had for the event and it did feel like the generation, it all just felt, felt lovely. And then editing that, I remember spending ages doing it for no one other than myself, but I wanted to share it with people, which is why I put it out on my, my social media. I thought it was really beautiful. Oh, thank you very much. I really, really was beautiful. Like, did you have a close relationship with your grandparents then? Yeah, yeah, entirely, entirely close. I, I was going to grab you a picture, but um, it's not there. It was, it was there until very recently. Yeah, they they taught me a lot. My, my granddad, this is my dad's side. So I guess growing up, I wasn't as close to them as my mum's side. Still very close. Always big knit family, family um, parties and events that were always put on by them. But my grandparents, they were completely unorthodox for their for their era. My grandma was my grandma was um, she didn't like being called grandma because it made her sound old. But her name was Nan and it wasn't short for anything. Her name was Nan, but she didn't like grandma because it made her sound old. She's like, so um, would you've gone out? doing adventurous stuff with your grandparents yeah yeah I think that then a classic thing of hindsight of of an old man is that I wish I'd done so much more I wish um I wish I'd just soaked in everything they had to tell me and of course I didn't because I was young and knew better um but yeah I remember you know this I remember having a lot of fun with them on I can't remember exactly where sometimes but often in North Wales or in Derbyshire or in Leicestershire we would go out and it was always fun. It was always so much fun. They would just, they'd enjoy the work. My, my granddad was ex, ex-para, had quite a colourful history with, with that regiment um, to the point where partly because of him, his unit was disbanded. <laughs> oh, right, okay. <laughs> um, but, um, but his love of what the army, army gave him for like the outdoors is what he then brought into I, I suppose I'm talking on his behalf and we didn't really talk like this is when I was growing up but the drudgery of the life after after the war like like most soldiers would find themselves being retrained so he was a rubber technologist and he went from jumping out of planes behind enemy lines to then suddenly working for Dunlop and he invented he invented non-perishable rubber in trainers so any any rubber soul in a trainer today is thanks to my granddad although the patent would be belonged to Dunlop have you seen that scene in the wire where they're talking about the guy who invented chicken nuggets he's still down in the basement coming up with more ideas to make Ronald McDonald a millionaire (laughs) no I'm not no it's wonderful but yeah so my granddad I think part of it he loved the outdoors and he loved I guess drinking in in an old in, in in a sense so every pub every sorry every walk was always followed by a trip to the pub and it was it was just always very healthy I just a lot I yeah I was close to them not as close closer than I realized at the time and a lot of my my moral standing and uh, activism whatever I might do uh, that makes me a just person I think comes from my grandma and granddad is there like a first experience in the eight doors that kind of stays with you not it doesn't have to be one with with your grandparents but just one that made you think do you know what I I really love this now there I guess there are a few so and it's not as a real youngster the only camping I really did was a real youngster well the first time I ever went camping was with my parents we bought a green tent from Argos that I should I assume that's what's my what my parents could afford at the time there was little section for cooking and stuff and then where me and my sister would sleep, where mum and dad and a little bit of canvas between. And I remember crying in Argos because it didn't come down the conveyor belt, like erect. 
And I felt like we'd been ripped <laughs> off. So that sticks out. That holiday, we didn't go far. It was a it was a classic campsite, and I, that was the first time I'd eaten boiled potatoes, and I still love tinned potatoes because of that. And it's the first time I heard the roar of a outdoors cooker and. You know, the surveyor I, I've used a few times is when I when I turn that on, that, that takes me straight back to being a kid. So that the first time I ever went camping, car camping with mum and dad, I can't remember where. I'm sure they'd know. So there's that time. And then and this might sound really silly, but not until I went to Dartmoor with my dad and I re- me and my dad sort of realised we'd never spent close time with each other as men and as I guess as equals. I wasn't a father at that point but I was certainly closer to an adult than maybe he'd ever known and we suddenly ended I ended up meeting a mate on Dartmoor for probably the first time and and that was a special special trip even though we got it not wrong but we could have done better and we've we've got better since so what does getting out look like now now you've got the boy what does getting out look like now it looks like it still looks very similar. It's just not as regular, I suppose. I've got trips planned with, with my dad again to Dartmoor, but it looks I like you. I like to take my my kid with me, but uh, he he uh, yeah, he's not ready for the kind of camping I'd like to do. And I would still like to go and walk some long trails and spend some good time roughing it. And if I can do that with my son one day, I, I, that would be amazing. Yeah, and I guess the adjustment has been. It looks very very similar, except it's less often. When we go out on the longer trails, which we haven't done for a little while, the lock. But what we find when we do go out for a long time, and it's just the five of us, is that we really, after like the first day, we really reconnect as a team. Mm. So, like, obviously we're a family and we love each other, but we all just start pulling in the same direction again. Whereas in home life, you got you know the eldest boy is going off and playing Dungeons and Dragons, and my daughter's playing guitar in her room, and the you know my boy's out hitting the swing ball around and I'm at work and Hazel's volunteering in the library and it's just all you know we come together around milk times a bit but that un- uninterrupted time on trail really reconnects us again yeah yeah I I understand what you mean and just like I was thinking about similar things earlier and like I, how I I guess how I work is like I, I see the goal way down the way and it, it might be fluffy and then I sort of picture myself as this semi-liquid line moving towards the goal and whenever there's a distraction it's like someone just taps the line and it breaks and I do that and it takes me ages to find my focus again mm-hmm. I was thinking that so I kept getting phone calls this morning and I was thinking about something that I wanted to think about and I'm sure I could turn my phone off but some, sometimes you you can't or one can't and, and I just felt I kept felt I kept felt getting like I was tapped and I just and that immediately my body went just can't wait to get out because when I'm out I turn my phone off and I only ever check in on my terms and yeah it's like when I I was was a professional sailor for over a decade and as soon as you leave port and the fenders are in and everything's set for the first watch every problem you thought you had on land just goes thump and um, I think that's getting out in general and certainly on the trail just just does that and I really really hear what you say then about you, you love your family you're all you're all busy together and apart but if you can, when you get on on there, sometimes you learn a lot more about people as well when there's nothing else to do. Yeah, the the other thing, like like the last two years, so like we had that first lockdown and then everything opened up and it always almost felt like the horde the hordes just descended on our national parks. Uh, yeah, and it, and it <laughs> it felt really. Um, we didn't go anywhere. I think we had like we had a trip to Dartmoor for two nights last year and the year before and that was it 
because we just felt we were adding to a problem that needn't be, if you like. Yeah, yeah, which is a shame, isn't it? Because it is still for everyone. Then, like this year, we've kind of said, right, we, we've we done our bit for a couple of years, we, like by staying away, but now it's our turn because like, my oldest is 15 in September. So realistically, I've got... I've got this summer and next summer, and after that, he's not going to want to be coming out with me. I'm not going to be able to drag him into the hills by his hair, am I? So Not without a lawsuit, no. <laughs> no, no, that's it. I do have a bit of an uh, ulterior motive in getting you on, Tom, because the, one of the big issues I find with going and hiking long trails with the kids is, like, carrying the amount of food that we need. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of always end up with... Like the basics, so it's the two-minute noodles and the plastic bagged rice and anything we can boil with water mm. and can carry enough of between us to see us through. And then when we get to a village or whatever, find a little shop, we always restock. Right. So when I went, so when I found your YouTube channel off the beaten pot, and you're out in the wilds cooking proper food <laughs> i was like this is a man we need to talk to <laughs> yeah oh. so what is it about cooking in the eight doors that floats your boat it's the two two of my loves so the fact that it can go together is just wonderful i and and then in terms of like what i cook and how i cook i guess i've got an idea of what i should be cooking camping and then i've got an idea of what i want to cook camping and then i think well <laughs> how can those two things fit and um and then, yeah, and then I sort of learn as I go, like little things like when else would I have mashed potatoes in a powder? Not at home, but I want mashed potatoes. But how can I make that a little bit less mashed potato powdery when I'm out? So, See, I, I have a huge, huge fondness for powdered mashed potato, tinned hot dog sausages and baked beans because that's when we were kids, that's what Dad did for us. Or boiled potatoes, like you were saying earlier. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. What's great about camping food is that a lot of it's nostalgia-based. And a lot of nostalgia-based food is actually horrible if you're just to present it to someone without that that connection. But also, um, to an extent, you stop and you eat, and I've got more of a memory of the place we stopped to eat than if I'd have just fired up a jet boil. Nothing wrong with jet boils. There's a time and a place. Uh, we've spent some time just putting things together. But the beauty of that, if you don't have the time, you can still make something really nice. You can still like, you could still have a tagliatelle that like you stop and you cold soak the pasta until it's floppy. And then you just heat it and add some cheese and a bit of pancetta, whiz it together. And then you've got a really nice meal that like took moments. And so it's thinking outside the box a little bit as well, I think. But yeah, nothing really made me think I'm going to cook amazing food in the outdoors. It's just that I thought I want to cook in the outdoors. And I had an idea of what I thought it should look like. Otherwise, I mean, always, always go fresh if you can. Always. Like, it's a treat. And then and then you go along and it gets less and less fresh. I usually start with the fresh stuff. One, because it will last not as long as a, t- a dried thing, but also... It's a bit of a treat, but some stuff you can keep for day three or four. Like I've just done a rosti, which was, if I do say so myself, absolutely banging. And potatoes last a little while. And if you can bear the weight. So what do you do? So like with the rosti, you grade it all up, Ziploc bags. No, I don't. So I stopped using Ziploc bags. I oh, use, good man. I use Ziploc bags and I'm like, oh, put it in a Ziploc bag. And then I, I really tried to cut down 
any any use of plastics even even like you can buy silicon reusable zip like that yeah we've got those yeah brilliant and then that's that's way better but i actually just use because we care brown paper bags which are just waxed brown paper bags and all of my food there goes into a dry bag in my bag and then because i also think that if there's a chance it can blow away when i'm cooking and get wedged in a crag or then then it's a problem Whereas I'd feel bad about watching this bit of brown paper blow away. But I also know that within a few months, it's going to be inert. And so I, yeah, I actually did. I stopped using Ziploc bags. So I put everything into brown paper bags. But actually, in this instance, I'd take a tiny cheese grater <laughs> and I'd grate the potatoes. Or if I didn't have a cheese grater, I'd cut it very finely. Yeah. Or if you're going out with your family, you know, that's a nice job for someone else to do. Squeeze all the water out and put one half into a pan of oil cold oil put your filling in put the top off on then heat it and chat and drink and see what you do yeah i think when we we go out hiking food is almost like a we'll walk until it's nearly dark get the tent up we should probably give the kids something to eat before they go to sleep but what i really like is like you really make an you seem to make a an event out of the preparation of the food and the eating of the food and you know it's all wrapped up in it whereas for us it's always been like it's just something we have to do to get the kids to bed but i really like how you make an event of it you know yeah i think and i think it is important for me i think some of the again going back to those the, what moments do you remember being outside and i always i can't necessarily remember which trip but as a kid i remember having my tent open wrapped up in my sleeping bag cooking something or heating something up but i also understand that sometimes you want to put the miles in or sometimes it's raining and you just want to eat you just want to get a, a tear open non-recyclable wants only bag for convenience heat of what's inside so you can see if i had a good day but i guess and yeah there's, there's nothing wrong with that but i guess an unintentional point of my channel is to stop people from just taking away plastics that i mean if you look at photos of all the trails in tibet it's like what what are we doing i mean like we call ourselves outdoors lovers and then just because we can't see the mess we create sometimes it's like well unfortunately we were forced to keep our litter in in our houses we'd stop just on that my wife had a real push a few years ago to just get rid of as much single-use plastic that we use as possible and we for a while we were really really good and then again over the last two years stuff is slowly is, is we find it a lot harder to keep it up yeah there's less loose fruit in the supermarket now than there was two years ago mm. because people say oh yeah but germs oh yeah but but the virus do you know you know and yeah yeah and it's, it's, it just feels like an easy excuse to me but yeah but but it is i mean we're, we're all inherently we are all inherently lazy and that's mm. not necessarily like flobbing around doing nothing that's like we why wouldn't we want to choose the easiest option and I, you know i can i could give you a quick tour of my kitchen and there's still a lot of plastic i would rather not see and i, I think a lot of this onus to sort this out has to come from the manufacturers there needs to be of course it does yes on plastic packaging maybe because it's it's 2022 and there are companies making um, home compostable plastics that last as long as it needs to that could be for the shelf life of dry food it could be for 10 years but as soon as it's put into composting conditions it's gone this stuff exists and it's purely because it's cheaper and easier for companies to create them in packaging that isn't good for the environment that they do and as soon as soon as they say well actually this is the easy way now that's going to be the shift and that 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 that's exciting because we what, what i find amazing we do live in this area era of it's possible 
it's just now making it so but I think I've waffled quite a lot off of your initial point but yes about making it no no you haven't actually because a lot of like my move or our move as a family to go plant-based I don't say vegan because we're but we're you know veganism is is the goal and so, but we're kind of like vegetarian plus, if you like. Yeah, and again, as money gets tight, it's harder to make that good, de- you know, the good decision. You know, I would um, argue, especially that, when you're trying to. I've been. But, um, if you get down to like, if you get down to your last tenner and it's three days till payday, mm. <laughs> it, you know, you and you've got three kids to feed. You know, it's. Um, I think, but yeah, our drive towards like a plant-based diet, if you like, has been because of the ecological situation the climate crisis mm-hmm. is and as a desire to just try and be better yeah yeah and i'm from a farming family mm-hmm. i worked as a butcher from the age of 16 to about 23 that's an incredible craft well done but now i'm nearly vegan yeah. And what we have found um, more difficult is getting to almost zero waste, if you like, while out on the trail. Yeah. Thing, easy things we found to get rid of is stuff like batteries. So now that I've got one of those Petzl head torches with the rechargeable yeah, the yeah. lithium battery, and that's really cool. And I bought that because I didn't need to use double A's. I don't take my uh, GPS machine died, and I just didn't bother replacing it because I couldn't find one that didn't, oh, I couldn't find one I could afford without having to put double a batteries in it mm, yeah you know so batteries was an easy one to take out and we make a point of we carry all our rubbish home we don't carry our rubbish to the village and put it in a bin at the village it comes home with us yeah same that's great and it also means you can recycle it you kind of oh well mm-hmm. not my problem well it, it is still your problem you've just just seen it and I also i'm always very wary when i'm i feel a bit soapboxy high horsey because i am guilty as anyone but just because it's the system of how how certainly our country is set up um but yeah i i have a dry bag it's an old one it still works and i have two compostable bags in there one's for my bin and i mean food waste as well and one's for my recycling and then when i get home they they get sorted and And it's just kept to the outside of your rucksack and away you go yeah and sometimes i don't like having things flapping around the outside so i just actually probably put a lot more trust in this dry bag than i should because that would truly ruin my my week (laughs) we always we always have the um the hygiene bag if you like with the trowel and the toilet paper and the hand sanitizer that's on the outside so if one of the kids needs to go in a hurry they can just unclip it from my rucksack and away they go that that's smart yeah and then um there's also like another one clipped on and that's all the rubbish so dad can I have a mars bar because that's the other thing isn't it rappers on you know you're trying to bribe your kids along the trail here's a mars bar yeah here's a gummy bear what, what do you do because that's mars bars that's that's how the rappers come it's and they're incredibly good, good energy boosts on the on the trail. I can remember when we did the West Highland Way, we had a bag in my rucksack, and I reckon there was six kilos of sugar in this bag, and it was just sweets <laughs> to bribe the kids along the trail. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. What my parents used to do when I was a kid was um, they'd someone would go ahead and hide like one one p coins under yellow leaves on the floor and then we'd, we'd like the fairies left them. we'd be like wow we found another one and we would walk we wouldn't even count the miles at that point and then periodic my uncle was just flipping pennies on the floor <laughs> <laughs> um you, you're a photographer as well yeah that's right yeah so um outside of like the video side of it does your photography come into your outdoor stuff as well 
Um, not as much as I'd like. And I, I, again, I was thinking about this recently. I, I would, I should have an exceptionally beautiful Instagram feed, but I don't have a reasonable one when I'm feeling good. But yeah, so I'm, I'm going to start utilizing my photography skills. I also, for the last set of videos I did when I was on the trail, I just filmed it from my phone. So I thought I want to keep it light and this is an incredible thing. And then actually I enjoy the cinematography. So this, this is actually now my setup. So it's a bit, bit ridiculous. That won't be there. That was another thing. So, so it's a, it's a decent camera. Like it's a professional camera and I will be taking out. It does add a lot of weight, but actually I don't go for, it's not that important. I, I'm not a weight counter. I, I mean, a, a lot of people are like, Oh, well, I've got this down to six grams for a week. It's like, great when you go hiking with three kids you count grams yeah 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 so but we 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 were just setting up now for this trip we're hoping to do in june and the first big trip we did was west highland way and me and me and my wife both had like 60 liter rucksacks yeah and my eldest one who was 10 at the time he had like a 30 liter rucksack and then the two the two smaller ones carried this but everyone carried something and this time this time we're going out my youngest boy who is now 10 He's on a 15-litre rucksack, I think. And the rest of us, none of us are carrying more than 30 litres. That's great, isn't it? Well done. You know, and saying we can just spread it out between them. I need more kids. Yeah. (laughs) If you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. There'll be links in the show notes to where you can support us, either through the website or through the Patreon page. Every little bit helps, so if you can afford to give us a few pounds each month, then it will help keep the show free. It'll help keep the show free for those that can't, and I'll get to feed my kids. You'll get a lovely warm feeling inside of soundness and kindness, and everyone gets a podcast. You can also follow all our adventures on Instagram. We're at JustUpTheTrail, on our website, JustUpTheTrail.com. And one thing you can do for us is if you've got friends that are into hiking and they haven't found the show yet, if you can pass it on to them, get them to subscribe to the show, that'd be brilliant. How did you get into YouTube? Was that just like an extension of the photography into the outdoors stuff or was it? It's a, I've been tempted by it for years but i didn't understand it at all and then and then i was looking for a review because i was looking at buying some mind or boots and I've, I've had some mind or boots before they lasted 18 years and before i still use them but not the walking boots and it's only my fault they they died because i didn't take care of the leather because i kept them stored away for two, two years and i was looking for it's a bit of a long story, so I'll try and keep it short for you. But I was looking for Mindle Boots. Looked at a review, and there's this really great review, and I wish I could remember the channel's name, but I can't. And at the end of her review, she said, oh, and I'm just going to do a shout-out for my favourite channels, this, this, and Summit or Nothing. And I was like, Summit or Nothing, that sounds extreme. I want to go to some mountains. And I clicked on Summit or Nothing, and at the time, and I hope Trev wouldn't be angry at me saying this, but it was it was when I I cottoned on to them when they were about a thousand subscribers and they were just fumbling their way through Dartmoor. And I thought, that's me. That's me hiking. Oh my god, it's not like polished. And I also thought, well, if that's brilliant, you don't they're not they're not experts in their field, they're experts at being who they are. And they're really good at documenting it. And I thought, maybe I'll give it a go. 
maybe I will give it a go. And so I obviously my first video is a top down, just my hands, me me speaking quietly because my my pregnant partner's asleep upstairs and sounding like a like a really bad weatherman. And then I, I pressed upload and felt felt really weird about it. Didn't tell anyone. I still really I've not told I don't I've not told my friends or family. Those who have found out, I've celebrated with them, but I wanted it to be organic. Um, in terms of your YouTube channel, then off the beaten pot, I've I've been going back through it, and there's a real progression. Well, how long is it since you started? About four years. What I noticed was the progression. So, like you were saying earlier, that it starts off with like you know the top down, and you're you know doing a voiceover. Yeah. And like on the video for your, I think it must have been for the Be Frosty. It's like proper uh, Nigella Lawson food porn shots. <laughs> And it's just like, this is a guy who's, you know, he's obviously, while during those gaps, he's obviously been thinking about what he's trying to do with it. Yeah, yeah, always falling short, but... but um, oh, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't say that. But. Well, I think it's, um, I've got, I think I've got an idea, I think, I guess I want to be the Peter McKinnon of outdoor cooking. <laughs> outdoor cooking, and... Uh, um, I did see you made a coffee video. Did I? Oh yeah, yeah, but yeah. So I thought you meant like sexy B roll, but yeah, yeah. That was because I just for some reason that that week loads of people had um, DM'd me about coffee and what do you do with your coffee and like how do you make coffee and and um, I want to get off of instant coffee. And I thought, well, I tell you what, I'll just make a video. And I was really excited about it because I I I wanted it, I wanted a reason to talk about my little fold flat coffee field thing so i got the opportunity but yeah i have damn it you're right i've done a coffee video i'm not as yeah i was wondering what you added against instant coffee there's some good instant coffee now if you get away nescafe's horrible like but yeah no but i also say in the video there's a time and a place for it yeah 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 fair enough (laughs) um so what are your ambitions for the youtube channel uh my my ambition is to just be as um offer a robust enough thing for people that they can take value from it. And whether that be advice about prepping and cooking while going out, or whether that be to ask me personally through YouTube, Instagram, whatever it may be advice and to always be able to offer that. And then I guess it would be lovely to get so busy that I have to start monitoring or managing how I offer it. Um, so recently um, it, it came in the form of uh, a Patreon page, which I felt a little bit weird about about asking for patrons because it's like, hi, I'm Tom, can I have a fiver? <laughs> so, and it's a weird ask, isn't it? So I, I, I made sure I didn't, I didn't really want to ask anyone. So I've, I've done it very softly. I've done it and I've tried to show that there's value um, and, and what I guess now it's sort of maintaining that value, which adds... It's like maybe when you stopped or how you felt about YouTube, I didn't want to. It's not my job, but it is a passion of mine. And if I start feeling that this passion is being eroded because of what I've promised, then I need to look at that. I've got got three tiers and I assume most people go for the low one, the middle one, but they all get the cookbook. And I wanted to make sure I had something that was at least worth one month of payment so i've got this tiny little e-cook booklet thing and then thing is i don't want people to think oh i've got a patreon page so therefore don't bother reaching out to me on youtube if you want that answer pay me that's not what i'm about i mean i would love to earn enough of a living 
by from this YouTube channel to be able to do it as a living. But in in a sense that build, building that community, I don't feel that YouTube owe me a living. I don't feel that YouTube owe me anything. I think that YouTube they're offering me a platform. And although I might have two thousand something subscribers, that that that's not my audience. YouTube could take that away tomorrow. I want to build something bigger, more robust, uh, whether that be in the form of a website or or one-to-one. Your website's very sexy, your, photo- your photography website. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, my, my, my um, off-the-beaten pot one, I think, is just a, a mashup at the moment. Yeah, but that, that it, it is nice, but I need to change that a little bit as well. There's always something to do. But yeah, my ambition for my YouTube channel is to... I'd love for people to be like, I really want advice on cooking and there's some great blogs out there and like MSR always doing great advice, hints, tips, see to summit. Everyone's got a blog about cooking outdoors and everyone's trying to promote people to cook outdoors and different methods suit different people. But I'd like to think for people to think, you know what? I, I enjoy Tom's method of doing it and I want to see what his take is or at least someone within his community's take and what I've liked about some of my videos I don't have you know a high watch rate I'm I'm a small ball when it comes to to YouTube and I know that and but the people that are on there that they'll offer each other advice and they'll have chats with each other and that's been really beautiful I love seeing that and I sort of think that, that this wouldn't exist without me pressing record and uploading and that 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 gives me a, a personally nice feeling well, that's community, isn't it? Yeah. And and it's community around your creative output. So a, a, a big thing of a thing that I'm trying to investigate, if you like, through the course of this podcast is that link between um, the outdoors space, nature, if you like, and people's creativity. So I spoke to Steffi Boone, who she's an artist. She'll go out with a sketch pad and do that. And then she'll go back and she'll, she'll write, um, uh, Leah Afton is a poet. Chris Townsend is an author. Yeah. We I've got videographers coming along, and you do your cooking. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that is that, that. You know, do you see that as your creative outlet? The cooking. Yeah. Oh, I think. Oh my, that's a good question. I guess it is, isn't it? But I don't. I guess it's once I think it's just so much fun for me. I don't see that as a creative outlet. My my creative outlet, I think, is the um the videos I'd like to make around it. And recently it's just been me talking to a camera, waving my arms around, trying not to show my bold spot, you know. So it's just, so it's just uh but it's those little edits and the little bits of videography that I, I think I'd like to say is my creative outlet, the editing of them and the com- the composing of it and the grading, color grading of it and, and learning that aspect of it. But I guess maybe that's my education in creativity is I'm still learning about that side more, but I, I just, I love to cook. I'm a trained chef as well. I don't know. Not many people know that. And it's because it was so long ago and anything I learned about being a chef, I very rarely apply it to this channel because not everyone is a trained chef so i think i think that's a silly way to approach it but it also gives me a a place to think well i know that's not going to work but then also i don't always know something's not going to work like for the example the roast beef the first thing i did was completely ruin a yorkshire pudding and I, i sort of knew it wouldn't work but i thought it might i thought imagine if it did imagine if i got a yorkshire pudding on a trial well (laughs) <laughs> um but i but i have cooked it since but i wasn't filming it i managed to nail a yorkshire pudding on the tranger but but no proof so i can't i can't say i did it yet <laughs> you love a tranger don't you 
Yeah, yeah, I do love a Trangelis. Why why is that your um stove of choice then? Is there reasons there? Because gas is easy, isn't it? Gas is just like you, you screw it in, you have got a flame, you can turn it down a bit, you can turn it up a bit, yeah, yeah, boil a bit of what you know. So yeah, gas is what most people use. I probably should use gas more because it actually is probably more akin to what people have. But I love the Trangera because it's silent, a, a tiny hiss, and it smells great. But yeah, I don't dislike the others. I love the smell of naphtha. Naphtha is not necessarily the the best, most ecological fuel out there. Um, although you can make naphtha from peat. If you've ever been to Dartmoor, there, there's naphtha mines all the way throughout it. But anyway, um, I think I used the Tranger because my granddad used a Tranger and a Svea, but my granddad loved the Tranger. And when I, my parents were, it was just after my granddad had died and there wasn't much money, but there was enough money for me to get my first ever as an adult one person tent, which was a little van, a tiny little vango with the two tubes. There's no space to do anything. And with the leftover money, I bought the Tranger I could afford that was in the shop at the time, which was a Tranger 27. And I was sort of slipping it all together. And it's, as soon as I got out of the box, I thought, this is a little bucket of magic, isn't it? And then the more you get to learn it, like it is literally a storm cooker. I've had that. I've had my trangelite, you know, that day that I ruined my tent. There's no way I'd even consider, I, I came up with two hot coffees. <laughs> the tranger dealt with it, you know, it's like, it's an incredible cooker. It's an incredible cook system. I remember when I went to New Zealand, I had one of those tiny little one man tents and I, my biggest because I, I planned this is going back now back to like 2004 um but my concern was obviously everything everything changed in terms of what you can take on planes in after 9-11 didn't it and I was just like I don't know whether I'm going to you know I don't know what I can take on a plane I don't know what I can get in New Zealand so I did get a little like, is it the Transient Mini something like that or whatever the 2004 version of that was yeah just like a part with a clip on yeah and, yeah love that it's yeah and i can remember being so cold like i, I went hiking and it, this cold front came in this is on the safe island and i put my tent up and like i was in it and i was trying to heat this tin of pea soup up on the tranger and it just wasn't having it at all and it took forever to heat the soup up and I, 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 it ended up being like lukewarm. I was like, "I'll sod it. That'll that'll do." And you know, drunk drunk it down pretty quick. Got in, shivered in the tent, and then the next morning I hiked on. Like the ice on the tent was like a good inch thick, almost, and you know, and I hiked on about three quarters of a mile. Went around a couple of the corners, and there was like this big. Um, like mountain lodge with uh, open fires and you know rooms for the night and i was like if i just like i stopped at the uh, conservation campground because i thought well that's a campground i ain't gonna get anywhere better at least there's a long drop toilet and then <laughs> around the corner it's this massive lodge oh brilliant <laughs> um, like in terms of um getting out is is dartmoor and bodmin are they your nearest places you'd head to now then yeah i guess they are i think i think i'm still in that relative safe mode of wild camping in that it's legal in Dartmoor. So that's where yeah. I go. And I just, as well, I just don't want the faff of being shouted at by a farmer in the morning and, and to be like, well, you're right. I'm wrong. So let's just move on. But also I, I do adore, I adore, I, <laughs> I do adore Dartmoor. It's wonderful, isn't it? It's something so weird about it. It's 
I think there's genuine magic there. It's like West Penworth in Cornwall. I was I was there earlier at, at the Minac and just it just got this feeling of like re- resonance. I can't really explain it, but I get that in Dartmoor. Um, during the first lockdown, we moved from the other way. We're now on Portland. Oh, Portland's lush. Is there still the Crab Shack in Portland? Well, down the bottom, yeah, on the causeway, yeah, yeah. I think it's called Billy Winters now. It's oh, like right. a little bar and grill type place, yeah. But um, the feeling I get on Portland, it's like just feels wild. It just feels there's, it feels like outlaw country, yeah. and I get that. I get that feeling when I get down into Devon and Cornwall as well, and it's yeah. almost like that draw of the west is always around. I think you know that's a big thing in America, isn't it? That is the law of the west, but like. I think it drags us down into the like Cornwall and the West Country of yeah yeah and I, I, I love I love um, Portland. I spend most of my time looking at it from from the city and swearing at it because the tidal gate there is something ridiculous. But but yeah, the, the draw of the West is something. I think um, uh, people who live in Gwynedd are very very privileged because they've got the West, that beautiful bay a peninsula sticking out the edge and then mountains and forests and big meandering rivers. Whereas I'm, I'm, Cornwall is missing a meandering river and a mountain. And the only mountain we've got is like one that you snigger at every time you say the name. And that's of course, Brown Willie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, but I, I love Portland and I, but I know what you mean. It's that feel that outdoorsy feeling, but there's plenty of men. I live near some incredible places like, Again, they, a lot of them are closer to sail to than walk to. The, the, the coast path around the Helford area and some beautiful ancient woodlands just uh, are flushing nearish to where I live. They're small, but they're, they're really gnarly and beautiful. So in terms of getting out, um, I've told myself that when I've got a bit more of a rhythm with getting my... I've got lots of edits to do at the moment for headshots and for videos I've been filming, and that should take priority. I'm going to drop my kid off. Um, I pick him up at one. So where can I go? And sometimes put a video out, sometimes not. But um, I would like to do more cooking videos. And if that means me taking my my little setup, a small thing and saying, okay, today we're doing whatever. Because I think... But you you don't film everything when you go out, do you? You don't, like, you you don't, like... What I'm getting at is... um, you don't take a cat. You don't film every time you go out, do you? You go out just for yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good. Yeah, I, I know. I don't film every time I go out. I think there are people who do. I think maybe Trev does. If I'm filming, it's not necessarily. I won't necessarily like the Snowdonia one, for example. I didn't film that for my channel, but I filmed it and made it, and I wanted to share it. So the want in me will want to film something even if it's just me walking sort of along there's a, a creek nearby and I'll, I'll i'll be filming the creek just just if nothing else looking for new angles and then i get it all, always practicing but sometimes if i've forgotten or didn't bring my camera or my phone that's cool and i'm just gonna soak in nature because ultimately that's it's it's a bit even by looking through a tiny screen in nature, you're still adding a layer of disparacy to the nature that you're in. So, so yeah, it's nice to not have to do it and not feel that pressure to do it. I'll start to wrap up and I'll let you um, get back to your evening. Where can people find you, Tom? Uh, people can find me at YouTube, Off the Beaten Pot, and on Instagram, 
off the beaten pots. Um, I do have other accounts, but I'm very rarely on there. So it'd be a bit superfluous to send them there. And for, for my, for my photography work, should they be interested is tomaxon.com, T-H-O-M-A-X-O-N.com. But yeah, off the beaten pot on Instagram and YouTube. Brilliant. And what, have you got major plans for the summer? all being well for like big adventures or lots of little adventures or... big, big adventures for me so i've got three nights possibly two nights maybe three nights on dartmoor with my dad i can't wait i really like that. i'm getting so excited about that um <clears throat> want to meet up with you look excited just tell yeah, me yeah, about just, it, I just sort of always lived it then um the last time i was out with him it went it was it was pretty intense but it was amazing um and then trev me and trev have been playing this game of hiking tennis for about three years now whereas the last time we were going to go out i had this epic adventure planned and i felt so bad for him i would managed to get my hands on a, a sailboat which would have been completely new for trev we were just going to explore the tributaries around falmouth area which are incredible and then i got offered a job on on a film called the northman which has just been released Yesterday. Oh, is that with um, um, sexy Skarsgård boy? Yeah, yeah. Because right. there's, there's two Skarsgårds, isn't there? Yeah, sexy Skarsgård yeah. boy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I so I got offered um, some work on that as a marine coordinator. Um, so off I went to do that, and I was like, but that was the last time we were meant to go out. That was two Septembers ago. Wow. So so hopefully, and hopefully, we're going to manage to actually meet up for his birthday weekend, which would just be epic. And hopefully there'll be a film uh, due to be re- well due to start filming some point this year. It was meant to happen around now, but um, various things have put it backwards. But that will be quite a substantial amount of time in uh, Thailand. Oh, wicked! And I've never been anywhere like that. So I will work my ass off for this job. But any spare time I get, although I probably should be resting, it is still a form of rest. I'm going. I'm going exploring. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but Tom, thank you very much for joining me tonight. Oh no, thank you because it's um yeah it, it came relatively out of the blue and uh, um yeah it's it very intriguing to see what you're up to and I, I love adore the idea of this podcast and, and I mean just look at <laughs> look at the caliber you started with as well. I mean, yeah, oh, wow. yeah. Um, um, I I see it kind of like I'm I what what I want to do is build a library of like stories and people's experiences and like knowledge, if you like, that can hopefully, you know, it's there for my kids to listen to. So I might not be able to tell them how to cook a roast dinner on a trangia, but they can come away and listen to this and know it can be done. Yeah, exactly. But also if you want to think of two, two recipes that you want and don't think about what you want on the trail, just what you were like, you know, like I, I imagined myself eating roast beef from a tranger, so I made it happen. So think of something you and your family want, and I will, for for your podcast, I'll put together two special recipes oh, with the method. And, and Fantastic. If you've ever got any questions about what you want to take with you on the trail, just drop me a line and I'll, I will answer you. Like it goes for anyone, but like, yeah, I'll answer you and help you get, get your waist plastic waist down and get your proteins up while it not being too too heavy or too burnt wonderful and flavorsome wonderful well thank you very much for your time tom i really appreciate this this is fantastic mm-hmm. thank you very much indeed i know you're very welcome it's, it's, cool. it's a genuine pleasure oh, 